Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK-trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. Hello. Today, I talk to two inspirational ladies, Laura and Bex, who I was astounded to hear have only ever met in person once. Within a few weeks of finding each other on social media, they started something amazing, a movement to offer education and support around all aspects of miscarriage. Because an astounding one in four women are part of the worst girl gang ever. Here, we talk about their experiences that brought them together and why they started their fabulous podcast. Well, first of all, hello. Thank you very, very, very much for joining me. Um, I always start my podcast Thanks with... Thanks for having um, us. Oh, thank you. With the same question, which is um, how you met your partners. But um, instead, I was going to ask you both how you met one another. Oh, oh. The, real, the real love story. The, the, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Bex. <laughs> well, we've actually, we've only met once in person. That's not true. Really? Yeah, it's, it's true. It's an absolutely true story. Yeah. And that was ages ago now. Are you even mm. near each other in the country? No. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're well, about an, over an hour away. An hour. It? Hour and ten. Yeah. yeah. Gravesend and Brighton. A Brighton, nice. Love Sausage. Brighton. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah Gravesend, not Brighton. so nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually out, outside Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brighton, lovely. Gravesend. Oh. Gravesend. Well, I just thought I'd ignore that bit. <laughs> Just yeah. focus on the Brighton bit. <laughs> it's not, I don't actually live in Brighton. I live just outside of Brighton, but I always say Brighton because it's much more glamorous. The I could the say. End then. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, but yeah, so we, so I um, had a miscarriage in the middle of lockdown and wrote about it. And Laura saw, or Laura's sister-in-law, wasn't it? Tagged yeah. you in the post that I'd written. Um, and Laura contacted me privately and said, let's get together and, and smash this stigma. And I've been trying to do it for years and I've needed someone to help and all that stuff. So we got together. What did I say? You sound like you've got balls. You sound like you've got balls. And she was half right. <laughs> I sound like I have, but I haven't actually. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got, we got together and we got chatting and we absolutely like fumbled our way through setting up a podcast. Yeah, that so wasn't the plan originally though, was it? Originally when we remember. first started talking, it was about um, raising awareness and why, because you were saying, why did I not know where to turn when I needed mm -hmm. help? Um, why did I, why was I under the illusion that a positive pregnancy test means I'm going to have a baby? Like, so we spoke about how education and awareness would be something that we would be interested in in doing we were talking about going to schools or speaking to health professionals and things like that but it was when someone contacted me about so I've written a book and they said I wondered how long it would take you to yeah. drop that in oh, well, you know what is that 30 you know. seconds 40 yeah, <laughs> go um, on give, give us a plug Laura what's the book well, called someone that the, the book is called it will happen and um it's out soon. Yay! <laughs> Congratulations. Um, thanks. And so, yeah, I was speaking to a friend and she, she's been banging on at me for ages about writing, about doing a podcast, but I have not got the balls to do it myself. I just, just haven't got the, I don't know, time, imagination. So when I found this one and we got chatting, that wasn't the initial thought actually, but by the time we'd been speaking a little while. Um, she wanted to borrow my balls. Yeah. I said, how do you feel about it, Bex? And you were like, oh my God, how do you do that? And I was like, I don't know, but we can work it out, right? And, and we did. And that's just what we did, it. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah. that's, it's like incredible. Like, I'm so impressed with how quickly you've 
pulled it off as well because that really puts me to shame because <laughs> so I spent a few months <laughs> talking about it <laughs> working it all out I think we could have faffed around for longer yeah definitely we were faffers yeah, all right <laughs> um I've got the balls and Laura Laura's got the organization yeah. that's the thing I I still don't know what we do week from week to week Laura sends me an itinerary basically once a week of who we're talking to and why and when uh, and I go yeah. usually go. Oh, I'm really sorry. I forgot to tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you come up with all that the inspirational familiar. stuff, don't you? The inspirational airy yeah. fairy shit. Yeah, like all the peace and love the man stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm very much so. We've got science and create was, creativity. What's... Maybe is that you? Yeah. No, but Laura's really creative. She does all the stories up until very recently when I gave it a go for a day and then I was like, no, you can have that back. <laughs> oh, I saw those. Yeah, you just figured out how to do stories on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, did. Yeah, the dusty pig filter. She makes herself sound like 80 or something. <laughs> I feel 80 when I'm doing it. I did start my stories course today. I'm doing a course in stories. So oh. watch this neon space. That's really cute. <laughs> it will be neon when I've finished with it. <laughs> so, um, Bex, can you tell us about your experience with having a miscarriage? Sure. Um, so I've got three kids and they, are, they were all incredibly healthy pregnancies. You know, like symptom-free. I didn't get morning sickness. I didn't get... I didn't really get anything with them. I had blissful pregnancies and I was always, always sort of under the illusion that you were either someone who had miscarriages or you weren't. Mm -hmm. um, and given that I had three absolutely amazing pregnancies, when I fell pregnant fourth time, I sort of, well, I was very, I was very naive and I was very laid back about everything. And I sort of went to the hospital for my 12 week scan just thinking about what I was going to post on Facebook and, you know, I'd worked out the date that he or she would be due and it was about four, well, it was five days after my eldest's birthday. So I was like, oh, that would be so cool if it's, you know, all this sort of stuff that doesn't fucking matter. Oh, sorry, am I allowed to swear or not? <laughs> you had to tick the explicit box now. I mean, all of ours are ticked every week. So I was just, you know, thinking about all this really that now when I look back is so insignificant. So it makes you feel stupid for even contemplating that any of this would matter. And then when I got to the 12-week scan, I had my phone out. I had my pregnancy notes in one hand. I had my phone out and my husband was waiting with our daughter in the car park who was not even one. And I had my phone out ready to film the screen because they said, that's of, what I could do because he wasn't, of COVID, he wasn't allowed in because of COVID wow. and I lay back and she started scanning me and I looked at the screen and because I've had three children I knew immediately that something wasn't right it was just this white shape and there was no movement and there was it didn't look like the others looked mm -hmm. and the lady wasn't saying anything and then another lady just came in and she said, oh, would you mind having a look at this? And I, had my, I remember I had my hands over my eyes and I just knew already. And then the second woman came in. She said, have you, have you had any pain or bleeding, Rebecca? And it was a missed miscarriage. So I hadn't had any pain, any bleeding, nothing. There was absolutely nothing to suggest that anything was wrong. Um, and then they said, unfortunately, I'm so sorry to tell you that your baby's got no heartbeat. And then it all sort of, my world sort of imploded and it all was just, it, it was just the most bizarre thing how your body just goes into autopilot. And suddenly I, 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 there was this noise in the room and I realized suddenly that that noise was coming from me. And it was the most out, bizarre out of body experience I've ever had. And, and yet I did, you know, I got up, I scraped all the jelly off my tummy with a, a you know, paper towel. And I got up and I did my trousers up and I pulled my top down and I sort of said, well, what should I do now? And I have still clutching these pregnancy notes. I just felt like a dick. <sighs> and I don't know why, because it's a horrendous thing and they must've felt so sorry and sad for me, but I just felt so embarrassed that I'd kind of gone with this attitude of, oh yeah, I'm an expert. You know, I just felt like such a dick. And then got ushered into this little room and given the options whether to have a surgical management, medical management, go home and wait. 
And it was all just a complete blur from then on in, really. I'm so sorry. And, and how did it, well, how did it, stupid question, how did it feel not having your husband there? But what, I mean, what was it like being on your own? And it how was, did it feel I, for him as well? Because he must have felt horrific. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, a good question. And I've been contacted by so many people who have been through the same thing. Um, and it just adds a kind of a layer onto how you already feel. Mm-hmm. So, because not just the fact that Rob wasn't there, but the fact that everyone I saw, I could only see their eyes, you know, they had the masks and yeah. they had the screens and they had gloves and they had those big like apron-y things. And I was, it was because Rob was with our daughter and the hospital was an hour away from my house. He had to drive our daughter home, get someone to look after her, you know, because my mum parents and stuff were it it was right in the middle of you know proper lockdown so no we were really limited with what we could do and who we could ask um so it was six hours that I was sat having had this news just just on my own with my head just completely full of like how you know how was how has this happened what is this and then no one was coming in and checking on me because they were just mental so busy and I just remember thinking what if they've made a mistake and I'd chosen to be admitted to hospital straight away to have medical management because I couldn't bear the thought of going home and still being pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I find it amazing, like fascinating in a way that lots and lots of women that we've spoken to have said, I just wanted to go home and be in control of my surroundings because I felt completely the opposite. I just wanted to be somewhere that wasn't, I didn't want to go home in the same state of, like everything having changed in my world Mm -hmm. but still being there so I got admitted straight away and I and when I spoke to Rob that was the hardest thing because I'd been there in the room I'd seen the baby with my own eyes I knew in my heart I knew that there was that there was it was not right Mm -hmm. but explaining to Rob and I'd had like two sonographers tell me what had happened, confirm it and stuff. He had none of that. He just had this hysterical woman crying and telling, you know, saying there's no heartbeat, there's no heartbeat. So I think for him, he really struggled to get closure with it. And by the time the six hours had passed and I was just sort of, my head was just beginning to clear with what had happened. I was just finally getting my, my head around what had happened. He came in and he was so like, what if it's, what if they're wrong? What if they've made a mistake? What if... You know, so then I just sort of, I was back there going, well, what, yeah, what if that ha- is happened and I take this medicine and it's, you know, and that's, that was really horrible and just com- completely compounded the isolation and, and utter, utter misery that I already felt. So was he allowed to spend time with you and was he, was he able to be with um, you during that? N- not really, on and off. Um, so ba- to, like, it's a long story, but to cut it short, so... I had three rounds of medical, like the um, medicine they give you to bring on the um, to, to the birth. Yeah. And unfortunately, none of that worked. So I did get sent home um, and booked in for surgical management. But on the second day I was home, I started bleeding really, really heavily. And I went back into hospital. And the, that, the worst experience that I had was that day when I went back into hospital, it was roasting really really hot middle of may and i went back in and i was bleeding out everywhere and i tried to walk across the car park but it was just i mean it was everywhere and i got stopped at the entrance to the hospital and i was obviously with rob and the security guards wouldn't let him in no so i had to go in and have my temperature taken while just and i just i remember just saying i'm but i'm losing my baby i'm losing my baby and they were like the rules are the rules and so he had to stay outside the glass doors of the hospital and watch me going in. And then I was just sat in a wheelchair waiting for someone to be free to take me up to the, the EPU. And that was really shit, like really shit, just watching him outside. These, and I could see that he, was, he really struggled with that. Yeah. Um, was he allowed up, like once you got to the EPU? Was yeah, he so he was allowed. So he had to stay and have his temperature taken and all this stuff. And then he was allowed up, which was really good because... I was bleeding really heavily and they examined me and they actually removed the baby during that examination, which I didn't know was going to happen. And I had no idea how much I was going to bleed, how painful it was going to be. I didn't know any of that. Um, And then after that, unfortunately, again, um, I wasn't, I didn't stop bleeding. So then I had to have an emergency surgical 
procedure, but they weren't doing surgical procedures at the hospital where I was because of COVID. So originally I had to be booked out into a different hospital to have, to have it a few days later, but because it was an emergency, luckily I'm using the finger quotes, I could have it in the hospital then, which was just, yeah, it was what it was. Um, and yeah, Rob was allowed there. So he was there when I went under and he was there when I woke up, which was really nice. So yeah, it was a bit of a, wow. a bit of a shit show. Yeah. Yeah. So this is then when you put your post on Facebook. Was yeah. So I started, I contacted two, my best friend who'd had a, a miscarriage and one of my family members who had had um, miscarriages. And I just said, this is what's happened. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel. I don't know what to do. And I said, when it happened to you, and I was just asking them questions about their experiences and it just seemed to alleviate something. It brought me a little bit of comfort just to be like, oh, I'm not alone and I can talk easily about this and people understand me. And then in hospital, because my uh, husband was going to and fro, I said, can you bring my laptop? And I just started writing. And the first, I wrote everything. I've always been a writer and I wrote everything, everything, everything down. And then I just kept on changing it and changing bits and bobs. And then I released it as, as a blog post type thing. Wow. And this is where you step in, Laura. Mm. That's I met. Mm. Yeah. The one and only <laughs> Laura Buckingham. <laughs> yeah. So can yeah. you... Um, Fill us in, Nora, on, on your experience and why, obviously, you were drawn to, to Bex's post. Yeah, so I've been sort of part of this community, if you like, for some years. And um, I probably wasn't as forthcoming as, as I am now until I'd had my son. And then, because... I wasn't sort of all consumed by miscarriage and fertility and pregnancy loss. I was able to focus on trying to help other people. But I was in that awkward position of, I've got my rainbow baby, but I've been through all this shit. But I feel like people don't really want to hear so much from someone who's, who's managed to get through it. Um, it's quite strange because you, you, you really, you, you, you really get it and you understand all that these people are going through. But I know that when I was in that position, I thought, well, you've got, you've got your happy ending. So you don't really understand. Mm -hmm. And so I found it, found it quite, quite difficult. So when Bex was speaking out and she's got three kids, but this still affected her. Mm -hmm. And I sort of felt like, okay, that's my place. It's about raising awareness. It's not about saying, you know, this is how I coped. It's maybe about letting women speak about how, how they've coped and using everyone's experiences rather than just my own. Yeah. And, and that, that's what I liked when I saw, saw Bex's post. It was about, we shouldn't be going through this on our own. So let's, let's find this, this support and, and help each other through it. So yeah, that's, that's why I got in touch. It's amazing. It's such a, it's such a lovely story, honestly. Sorry, it comes from... A lovely love story. Yeah, but it comes from something obviously so awful, but it's a lovely love story. And yeah. I actually can't believe you've only physically met once. And also that it's all been so, so recent. It's, um, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, well, we met... When did we... The first podcast that we were... So we had our first chat on the 2nd of July, wasn't it? Yeah. 2nd of July, gosh, we're only in October. We set up our Instagram page on the 2nd of July, didn't oh, we? Oh, yeah. And uh, we, we released our first podcast on the 17th? 17th of July. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Three months. Yeah. It has, but I think what is absolutely staggers me still is, firstly, how many um, downloads we've had. Um, yeah, and how that means this is so important. Mm -hmm. This can't, you can't, no one could in there in any way, shape or form deny that this is important. Absolutely. Did no. Um, and I think I'm hoping more and more and more people are, are kind of 
able to talk about their experiences and obviously um with what's happened recently with Chrissy Teigen and things I think mm. you know it's it's starting to filter into media a lot more um and in different mediums as well with social media and podcasts and blogs and just general television um I think it's starting to to come out um yeah I really hope so or it's, the, I don't know the worst part about it is is the isolation and just feeling like you're the only person going through it and whatever you're dealing with if you know that someone else is dealing with it too it does ease it a little yeah it does i I'm a, i had one of my miscarriages right at the um start of baby loss awareness week i can't remember which year a while ago <laughs> and, mm. and actually it was really helpful um because i just used to walk my dog, scroll social media, cry, mm -hmm. but it, no one else could see me. I had sunglasses on or it was too dark because it was too early in the morning. And, and it was, you know, it's not, it sounds awful to say, but it was nice. It was, it, it, it really helped reading other people's stories. And even if they were really, really sad stories, I think because like, just as you've said, because you, you weren't on your own, um, mm. it, it just helps you not to feel so isolated. And um, mm. I think, I think I was thinking about it the other day, actually, and it was on baby loss awareness, the final, the final day with the wave of light. And I posted on my personal Facebook page and just said, this has been one of the most horrendous experiences of my life, but in a really weird way, it's also been incredibly empowering for mm -hmm. me. And that, that is very personal, obviously, but just to, be able to reach out to other women and say I'm here and for them to respond and say I'm here too has made me feel so womanly yeah <laughs> I mean and I think at a no, time when, um, when I've never can felt more you, I was gonna say sorry. When, sorry I'm talking over you but it's at a time when I think often women uh, miscarriage can make you feel really unwomanly because yeah. you think, oh, yeah. you're, you're not a woman because you can't do this thing. Um, so that's a really amazing thing for you to, to experience yeah. out of it. Yeah, definitely. I would say that I've never felt more of a woman and more connected with other women than I do right now. Yeah. And when I look, cause we created um, a support group as well on Facebook and it's now got over 2000 women and men um, part of it and I look at it every day and I have to be really careful not to get completely immersed by it every day mm -hmm. but I look at it every day and I see women saying today was the day that my baby was due and then 10 minutes later there were 38 comments saying sending you hugs sending you warm vibes sending you love thinking of you and I just think to be able to go into a group and say that, like if you said that to someone who'd never experienced baby loss, you're not going to, you're never going to get the same reception. You're never going to get what you need, but to be able to, to be, have been able to with Laura, create this space for people just to, to go into and, and be really brave and be so like well-received like I, that is something that I will always, always be proud of myself for. Mm. Absolutely. Ourselves for. And I wondered, Bex, in a, in a weird, I don't really know how to pose this question, but you've, like you say, you have three children already. Is it, is it almost, what's it like kind of joining this club, like suddenly realizing that there's this, this, this community, this group of, of people that you, you weren't ever aware of before? It's, it's really humbling. Um, it's made me realize how uneducated I have been in terms of my body and women, women's bodies and, and medically and all this now, everything we do is such an education for me. And I was one of the people that would say fucking shit things, you know, I would <laughs> say least. awful, at least mm. I would say that because when you, it's not that people, and this is what I, f I feel really strongly and I feel guilty, but I shouldn't feel guilty. But when people say, oh, that, I can't believe that, that so-and-so said, at least you, and I'm like, don't be angry with them because they don't know. It's not their fault that they're not educated in this subject because until it happens, none of us are. Yeah. Until we don't get this at school. We don't get taught compassion on, on how to treat and support women when they go, and, and men, you know, couples when they go through this. We don't get that. So when people come up that basically as humans, we don't like seeing other humans suffer. So we do whatever we can to take that suffering away. And 
it's it, you can't there there is nothing that can take away the suffering of baby loss but we're so desperate to try that we say the wrong things yeah we try to minimize the grief don't we yeah but in exactly. doing that we know that it invalidates it it completely does but unless you're there and you are one of those those people experiencing it you, you you can't see that so that's what we're trying to do as well is to yeah to try and teach other people when you say this this is how, well, how it makes me feel why yeah. don't you say this instead yeah and our favorite thing that we think that people should say to us is what is it i'm sorry <laughs> it's shit it's Shall our I favorite thing wine? we say it all the time yeah. wine. Yeah. absolutely yeah. <laughs> that's our favorite thing i think i think and it I, always comes from a good place doesn't it it comes from a good heart oh, but yeah like 99.9 percent .9 of the time it, it it does come from a good place and also i think it really it's I, I, to start with, I didn't think I was good enough to be yeah. in this group. I don't yeah. think I was, I should be, I felt, um, well, it's, it sometimes that? feels like imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, Laura, yeah. Laura tells me what it is. Imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I felt that. And it's not until I've realized that actually me before I had uh, the miscarriage was exactly the people that we need to talk to. Mm -hmm. And because I've not, you know, because I've got three children, and because I've been on the other side of things, the, the, the lack of, you know, the no miscarriage side of things, I've said shitty things to people that have had miscarriages and no one has ever said that makes me feel shit because, you know, no one's ever, I, I had no idea that I could have been saying all these invalidating things. Mm -hmm. And I think that we should be giving the women, not just, we should, shouldn't just be giving the people the education into what to say, but we should be giving these women our women in our community the confidence yeah. to be able to say please don't say that to me because it makes me feel this or I really appreciate what you're trying to do but instead please can you do this because once you have the education on one side and you have the fear gone and the shame gone from the other side and the confidence for women to say this really doesn't make me feel very good, yeah. then we've won, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think um, as well, Bex, it's really important um, that you are one of these spokespeople because I think as well, it can sometimes feel a bit like a, a competition that I've had mm. this happen to me. And it's not, it never is, but it's, it's almost like you can, only, you can only be the one speaking out because you've had X amount of miscarriages or this mm. happened to your baby, this sort of baby loss, and then this happened and mm. this happened and this happened, when actually my story's quite short or all of yeah. personally for me, all of my experiences happened after I already had a, a beautiful boy. And, mm. and so that was always like a real battling thing for me as well. Like, well, I, I don't belong in this club because I have a child mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm a lucky one. And, and that was that I would get that at least, at least, you know, at least you have a mm. child, a son and, and be, be thankful and it, for him. And it's like, I'm not, not thankful for him. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, absolutely. And I don't isn't not it love him. <laughs> it's just, just like, isn't it interesting? I find it so interesting that this same commu community of people that is so anti at least will then sort of not not everyone obviously and not even consciously doing it but we'll say to others within the community oh well but at least you got your rainbow baby, yeah, baby. Yeah. at least you you know because that's what we're fighting against is that mm -hmm. sort of judgment that sort of shaming mm -hmm. but yet there is no hierarchy in grief you've lost a baby Every, everyone who has lost a baby has lost a baby but there They're, is oh, there shouldn't be but there is no what i'm saying is there is no hierarchy in grief as in there is grief a, is grief, right? Yeah, there isn't yeah. a hierarchy of grief, but there is the idea of hierarchy of grief. Yeah, for sure. And I just think that's, and, and because everyone, everyone's only got their own experiences to experience life with as well. Mm -hmm. I don't think I made that up. I think someone else said that to us. <laughs> but it sounds good. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> But do you know what I mean? I just think I just think we really we all really need to be be wary and be careful of being kind to everyone, whether they've had a loss after they've had a baby, whether yeah. they've got four kids at home already, whether they they've had a stillbirth or a chemical pregnancy or a TFMR. You know, all these losses are still losses yeah. Yeah. to us as individuals, and that's what needs to be looked at. And Laura, you've not um, talked to us much about your what like your your experience again not that there's a competition but you you've been kind of in this community for much longer yeah yeah 
it's been a long old ride yeah um oh in brief because it's long and <laughs> and quite frankly quite boring um uh i've become very cynical over the years and i'm a bit blasé about things i tend but you to know just i'm um, i'm quite it off though, because um you're i think the only other person i've ever met who has who had a uterine septum as well and oh. one too so i feel like did I, you have yours operated on i did yeah yeah um i did a couple of years ago um but that was a huge decision it, it took a long it was a long process making that decision because um i don't know what your experience was like but there was quite a lot of conflicting advice that it was going to be too big an operation or too big a procedure um it could go wrong um it wouldn't make a difference etc etc um in a natural fact yeah. i got on a plane the next day it was i mean i was very lucky it was super simple and over very it was very 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 minimal um bleeding etc um and i mean whether it helped i don't know i mean obviously i did conceive after yeah. it but um i don't Mine... yeah I, I don't know. I don't know if it helped. I'll never know. I went on to have another two losses after I had my septum removed. I had one but, more, yeah. Yeah. I was never told that this was the cause. Um, in fact, I was told that this is unlikely to be the cause of recurrent miscarriage. But I was told that if I was to fall pregnant successfully, then it would impair me being able to carry to term and might cause yeah. me further problems. So mm -hmm. why not? Let's just give it a go. And I was desperate at that time. I would have tried anything, like even unicorn piss, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe even no, acupuncture. I know. I know. <laughs> even acupuncture. <laughs> Whoa, come on, so, man. I, mean, that I loved my acupuncture. I, I used to fall asleep. <laughs> it's brilliant. I loved it. I've got, another, I've got another, my second session coming up soon. Oh, so. nice. <laughs> we shall see. But my septum, I think, was how I did, had my septum operated on between losses five and six. So, to give you the brief rundown, I had tried for a year, nothing, had a miscarriage, early miscarriage, seven weeks, something like that. Then I had another one on the next cycle, so I didn't have a period in between. Wow. Um, and at that point, I still thought maybe it's just bad luck. And then I had a partial molar pregnancy which um, threw me into a bit of turmoil, really, because I don't know if I'll explain what partial molar pregnancy is. So there are two types of molar pregnancies. A partial is when two sperm, um, what's the word? Fertilise. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely that, that hand actually is amazing. <laughs> that means something else, uh, just to... <laughs> two sperm fertilise one egg. So it has way too many chromosomes. So it's never going to form, it's not a viable pregnancy, but um, you, you can get a heartbeat, which I did. So I got to the point. So it's, this was my third, third pregnancy. And so I went for an early scan and then had another scan, saw a heartbeat and got a bit cocky um, and went for my 11 week scan and the heartbeat had stopped and they I think they might have mentioned molar pregnancy to me, pregnancies to me at the time but they gave me a leaflet that talked about chemotherapy and cancer and I just assumed that it was the wrong they'd give me the wrong leaflet and it was only sort of a few months down the line I remembered that they'd given me that leaflet but at the time I just thought that it it was the wrong one but yeah six weeks after after that so I had a DNC for that one and six weeks after they called me down to the office at the EPU and told me that um, it was a molar pregnancy so you have to be monitored um, for well, however long it takes for your HCG to reach zero so at this point it was two years just over two years trying three losses down and I'd so desperately just wanted to start trying again I'd, I'd prepared myself for having a baby naively and stupidly like two years before so I was ready and I just wanted to jump straight back on <laughs> is it right to say that no and it's so hard isn't it because every every little glitch in the road feels like 10 years and it's uh, yeah. I, it's always like you're like why does it even take so long a month it's like why do we have to wait a month till we can try right. <laughs> even that was too long mm. so then when you yeah. get told 
actually no you need to wait six months or you need to yeah wait and you don't know months. how long that's and even worse that's I think. so hard yeah that's yeah so and it was I think my levels were like 200,000 to start with and so it took so long for them to come back down and it was about six months um and then you have to wait a few months until you can try again so that was yeah that was hellish but luckily I didn't need any chemotherapy or anything like that it was quite simple in that respect but um had that and then decided that I was fed up with everyone around me having happy news all the time so we decided to get married <laughs> and then had another two miscarriages literally the cycle after the wedding um that, so it took us to five and then I had the septum removed the following year after kicking up a stink, going to several different specialists. Um, and the septum being removed, like I said, didn't help. I went on to have another two losses after that. I had an early miscarriage, one that I was, I was so over it by that point. Miscarried at work, carried on working, didn't even tell anyone. I was just over it. And then I had an ectopic pregnancy while I was waiting to see the autoimmune specialist. So this was, the ectopic pregnancy was four, five years in, five years, and that was my seventh loss. So I was, I was in a bit of a bad place mentally at the time. We were looking into adoption. Um, I just stepped back from life. I just, I went to work. I did what I had to do. I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want to, be around anyone I did not want to hear about anyone's pregnancies I was bitter and twisted and yeah just not really not really plodding along well with society just withdrew completely and how was your relationship with your husband at the time he just would he, I think he didn't really know what to do I just would just cry all the time um, he wanted me to go out he wanted us to have fun and do things so that this wasn't all consuming but mm -hmm. I was past that point it was yeah. all consuming and the only thing that was going to get me out of it was I just held on hope that this specialist that I was going to see was going to be the answer um, and I, I felt like and we've spoken to people who have said that you need to have life outside of this and you need to have hope and not let it consume you. But when you're there, it's you. All I could think about was having a baby. And until I had a baby, there was nothing that was gonna gonna make me feel any better. It was tough. And did the specialist? Did it work? Yeah. Do you know it did? I'd been I'd been adamant most of the way through that I had an autoimmune problem. Um, I'd done some reading and worked out that. I probably had an autoimmune problem and I wanted some steroids and I just been and asked a specialist before and said oh what do you think how about some steroids and he just laughed at me um but then it's nice, after that, <laughs> I know right I was at a loss I did not know what to do next so I ended up going to see the lady who did my septum in between but then I was like no this is not working that hasn't resolved things I need to see an autoimmune specialist so I just did my research and begged my GP for a referral and I walked into this clinic and they were like, yeah, you're probably right, Laura, let's, let's do some yeah. tests and see. And they took me seriously. It was so wonderful. And that really begs the question of what about, what if you weren't you? What if you weren't someone who I was know. at home scribbling away doing their own research? Well, what about that lady? I know, I, and that's who I worry about. Lot, yeah. That's why, I've, why I started writing. I started blogging and why I want to speak to people because it's something that's so under-researched, under-resourced, underfunded. Mm -hmm. So you people don't come to you offering to do these tests. This yeah. is not part of the normal recurrent miscarriage clinic test that they run. Um, and everyone's heard of NK cells. So people will often ask for that. So some people will have their recurrent miscarriage clinic tests. Nothing comes up. Um, or stuff comes up, they treat it, and they're still having these losses. So they'll go and pay privately to have a test for NK cells. But NK cells isn't the whole of autoimmune problems. There's yeah. ju it's just so complex. Um, but there's very few people that you can see for it, especially on the NHS. Um, so, 
it's yeah raising awareness around giving people the empowering them to to fight their own battles is um is very important because yeah. i dread to think how many people have just been fobbed off like i was for so many years and mm. given up mm -hmm. absolutely and what was it like when you um is your little boy called bertie is that right yeah because i've got my son's bertie as well so I've oh, you i've decided, decided we're twins we're, <laughs> we're miscarriage twins so is yours an albert no he's a wilbert Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah, he's a little. <laughs> so yours is what an Albert? He's an Albert, yeah. Albert, yeah. No, it was. We had like a list of. I think. It, I think it was Wilfred, Wilbert, or Albert, and we went with the obviously the Wilbert. Yeah. But he's never. Oh, he's never like my husband's. Like, yeah, we'll be. Um, we'll choose Wilbert because then he can have lots of different variations of his name, and he's yeah, never been yeah. anyth anything but Wil but Bertie. So. Um, yeah, maybe when he's older he'll change it who knows yeah i hadn't considered that bertie might want to be an owl that hadn't crossed my oh, mind no, but yeah. i did recently nice. <laughs> we'll see what he decides um, but what was it like when you so when you were finally pregnant with bertie um like sort of getting to that 12 week point and then getting beyond the 12 week point which you'd, oh, horrendous. you'd never crossed I didn't before. enjoy it any of it? Didn't enjoy it. No, so it was horrid. I fell pregnant. Um, so I went to see this, we call him Magic Mike, the, the <laughs> autoimmune guy. And I went to see him. He did tests and something came up. And he, But the treatment they wanted to put me on was they needed to have another lot of tests to confirm it because of the side effects of it. It wasn't just sort of like any old drug that they would dish out. So... I was sent away. We were moving house at the time. So my focus was elsewhere. And I was, no. I just felt positive that something was happening. That the specialist was taking me seriously. We were moving and I was going to get treatment. Yeah. Anyway, I felt pregnant in the meantime. Of course I did standard. Um, and I was meant to start the treatment three months before, um, before trying to conceive. And obviously this was, I was like five weeks pregnant when I found out. So I just phoned them and got started on the treatment straight away. So those first few weeks, I just thought, well, I didn't start the treatment early enough. It's going to fail. It's going to fall out. That's what I used to say. It's just, it's going to fall out. Um, we went on holiday to France and um, I was bleeding the whole time we were on holiday. I came back, had a scan before we went. They, it was, I was like, five and a half weeks pregnant they couldn't see anything came back fully expecting them to say that it had fallen out or there was no heartbeat and there was so that was pretty amazing and i had 14 scans before 12 weeks wow <laughs> that's nearly the number of pregnancy tests i do <laughs> a day <laughs> yeah. yeah um I, it was the only way i got through it just by seeing seeing the baby um oh, bless but it you. didn't get better i just uh, I, I had an anterior placenta so i don't think that helped i couldn't feel a thing feeling me um no and and the whole way through as well the amount of times i went in for reduced movements was was unreal but talking about it now it's the whole thing is a complete blur i think i didn't i was really worried about having postnatal depression or some sort of problems afterwards because i hadn't bonded with what was this little being that was growing inside me because I never believed that it was going to make it here. I've heard that before that I think when people have been through a history like yours that it isn't until the baby's actually in their arms that they've realised they had a, mm. a positive pregnancy test almost that it really yeah. hits them that oh my gosh I was or oh, I am pregnant or not anymore and um, yeah. because there's just I think I'm guessing it's self-preservation in some way. Absolutely you know, 100%. Mm. It's a coping mechanism. Mm um so guys you have just finished season one is that right of your podcast mm. um and sure is finished with a finale and um, with baby loss awareness week of um uh, was it a podcast every night for seven days yeah, yeah. bloody was we won't it? do it that again will we no never I that fucking hope not incredible. my nearly killed us we both nearly got divorced <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. amazing it's amazing and like you've given me a bit of an, an incl inclination of like how how well you've been received, but um, like what what has been the reception from people? 
it's been incredible. Mm. It's been so... It, the bizarre thing is when we both started it, I think when I started, when I wrote, sat down and wrote this article, <clears throat> I did it to help one woman. I was like, if there's one woman out there who, like me, felt comfort from hearing someone else's story, then that's fine. That's what I've done. Yeah. And that's what we, what we wanted to do with the podcast. And then when people started listening beyond our family and friends yeah. and started... <laughs> beyond our mums. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and started reviewing... <laughs> It just blew us away. And then we started, as our Instagram kind of community following got bigger, I think we received probably five messages, you know, at least one message every day saying, I've just listened to your podcast. Thank you so much. It made me feel less alone. People say it's a lifeline. Yeah. Don't they? Yeah. That's amazing. Completely amazing. And part of me did kind of wonder at the beginning, I hadn't told you this, Laura, this is going to come as a shock. (laughs) Part of me did wonder at the beginning whether it'd be like a one series thing and we'd cover every kind of aspect of pregnancy loss and that would be nice for people to have. But actually it's so current and it's not, the subject is not going away and our worst girl gang ever is not getting any smaller. And I just think there's so much more that we have to offer and that we can offer women going through this absolutely horrible traumatic time that I think we are going to get bigger and go further and, get louder and it's going to be an amazing resource for women all over the world we're going to take a great lineup oh yeah laura that's what we said that's what we said in our first conversation ever yeah we're going to take over the world and we were joking but actually we are can you just (laughs) could you mind putting your your little finger in your mouth and So in terms of like season two, season three, season 58, what, what are the plans for the future? Season two is shaping up pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. We have already, we don't know how many episodes we're going to do yet. Probably going to have to do a lot more than, than we initially planned, but we've already got some really good guests. We've already recorded a podcast with an acupuncturist. Amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, due to popular demand and also we got an email today from someone who wants to be on our podcast secretary oh what's the podcast secretary (laughs) so so there's a guest a potential guest but it was their secretary oh it's so nice ah i know right that is that is hitting the big time i I think you've made it yeah (laughs) have you looked them up yet though (laughs) no i haven't i haven't had time did you look them up check him out but anyone could have a secretary (laughs) Yeah, that Laura, <laughs> don't piss on my parade here. <laughs> that is hitting the big time for we'll me. See. But yeah, so season two, we've got loads of stuff. And what, we re- what we're going to start doing is instead of just telling one person's story, yeah. we're going to start getting experts on in their field, like acupuncturists, um, nutritionists, um, mental health advocates. Is that the right word? Yeah, we've got a coach. What's, what's a coach, a, a fertility coach. Yeah, yeah. Have we? I mean, you know more about. <laughs> I do. Yeah. She's the spreadsheet one, remember? So, yeah, Laura. Laura's all over the uh, the organisational <laughs> theory. But yeah, we've got we've got a lot of people lined up already, already booked in. That's awesome. Um, we've got recordings booked in up until Christmas. We're starting Have series we? three at the beginning of December. Series two, um, you mean? Series two. Oh, slow down, love. <laughs> at the beginning of December, and that will run probably until the spring, I imagine. Amazing. Amazing. Mm. And amazing. obviously the common theme is um, miscarriage, but um, have you found from talking to your, um, to your guests that there have been any more kind of like common themes that have been coming out, any um, good or bad from, from the stories that you've been told? Yeah, d- definitely. Um, I think obviously miscarriage and uh, fertility go hand in hand. <coughs> um, and I'm kind of more in the fertility side of things. I know a little bit about about infertility from from my past so that's kind of something that we have been exploring a bit within our the guests that we've had yeah um but also what we really really want to get into is the mental health element Mm -hmm. of pregnancy loss and infertility because i think that is an area that is hugely under 
whatever you call it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Something I'm always really interested in as well is um, a little bit like what you said, Laura, um, is you expected yourself to have postnatal depression. But I think a lot of people who've been through um, like a long period of trying to get pregnant or lots of recurrent miscarriages or baby loss um, or fertility treatment, um, because they, they're so focused on having a baby that actually when the baby arrives and the baby's crying or the baby doesn't do what the book yeah. says the baby's meant to be doing, um, that they can't be upset or they can't be... Can't be off. vocal about um, it. No, 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 because they've wanted this baby. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I, all I can do is smile and that's not real. That's not true. And and yeah. I really I really worry about these ladies that um, mm. that there's not a platform for them to go ah this is really really hard also when something completely consumes you whether it's positive or negative as in whether it's a difficult thing or you know a a great thing being consumed by something is being consumed by something so there must be an element of being consumed by something for such a long period of time and it being every waking moment Mm -hmm. to then having a baby there must be an element of what now what do I do yeah. what do I do now it becomes part of your identity I think mm-hmm. yeah. and then what do you identify with but there is can I just jump in because there Please is a do. platform for people who are going through that because we spoke to <coughs> excuse me we spoke to Cat Strawbridge on our podcast you've already you've had I've had chatted to Cat Cat Strawbridge episode you? one yeah <laughs> so she cats. runs the um parenting the hangout yeah was it's parent there's a parenting after loss and a pregnancy after loss yeah um i think but that is where all the mamas of the rainbow babies hang out this is true so you can moan um and vent about you know being diarrhea, up <laughs> sleepless nights colic all of that stuff because yeah. it's shit and you, you are allowed to moan about those things but that is a good place. It's a good resource for people to head to if they want that kind of support. Shout out to Kat. Yeah, love Kat. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted to ask as well, because obviously, um, sadly, miscarriage can still be a bit of a taboo topic. Um, uh, I was on a radio show over here and there was a complaint because I mentioned the word miscarriage. Um, You're oh, you kidding give me. Them, give me their name. <laughs> you have to remember what? we're in the UAE as well. So it's a very different climate. So I just wondered if you guys had had um, any negative um, comments and if anything negative happened. And if you had, how you'd, how you'd managed and coped with that. We've had one and troll. Slap them round the face. I feel like would be your answer. Yeah, <laughs> I've People had. Yeah, I, yeah, I've had. I had one. Um, well, we've had two between us. I've had one personally, and it just completely took me out. To be honest, I was accused of airing my do- dirty laundry, and nice. um, yeah, I was. I was dev- I was absolutely devastated. And I went into this whole thing about: Am I attention seeking? Am I just doing, why am I doing this? And then what I really had to do was focus on the fact that, yes, I'd had one person that felt like um, that, that I was attention seeking and airing my dirty laundry, but I'd also had, you know, nearly 3000 messages of love and support. And I'd have women, so many women contacting me saying, thank you. And you talking about it has given me the space to talk about it or you have put into words something that I never could or I had a miscarriage 30 years ago and it's only now that I can, having read what you've written, that I feel like I can talk about it. And and that, to me, I could have had hundreds of, of unkind messages, but the fact that I had thousands of supportive messages saying that I've helped them, it completely, like, you know, it's, it's one. And, and what you have to think about is people that are trolls, people that spend their time slating other people are desperately unhappy in their own lives and that you just got to feel pity for them because that's not, I wouldn't want to be that person who's, who's getting so worked up about something that they feel that they have to spit negativity on that other person. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't want to be that person. So, you know, I feel sorry for, for those people. Yeah. We have also had a we've had one one star review, nice. haven't we, on Apple? 
Wasn't it your mate? Did it by accident? No, that was the four-star review she did by accident. I've done that before and I had to message this podcast. (laughs) I I was walking along and I pressed one star and I had to message him going, Oh, that's probably what it was, Laura. I'm so sorry. But you can't change it though, can you? No, you can, you can. <laughs> she, um, you can change it. I managed to do She sent me I didn't... this poor woman who'd um, also started a podcast out in Dubai about pregnancy. And I was like, oh no. Oh, whatever. I'm You're just trying that. to slate the yeah, competition, won't you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so she sent Sabotage. me the detailed thing. So was it you that, did, it. that gave us one star? It was me. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and then I asked you on my show, so... There you yeah. go. <laughs> no, I think it was it was your your. Um, I bet you edit it in a way that makes us sound like there. twats. Yeah. <laughs> it's not odd. Yeah, it's pro- it probably is my mate, my dirty laundry error. Yeah. Oh, it might be. Um, yeah. Oh, that's sad. I didn't We've know got about enough that, five star ones. Yeah, you guys. Well, they can fuck off. They've done amazing. So, um, at the end of the show, show. What do you call it? A show? Is this like a? quiz show or something and yeah, I always yeah. um I might put a can we press the buzzer yeah I'll put a sparkly outfit on next time um <laughs> ask the same questions which are if you could go I don't know if you remember I sent you these um uh, yeah I've been rehearsing them in the mirror okay, okay. <laughs> right, Bex, you can go first then oh shit if you could go for coffee with any other woman um fictional or famous or just your grandma who would it be well Zoe um, oh, I've been nice. giving it. Thought. I actually wanted Laura to go first because I didn't want to go like too highbrow, and, and then for her though, so you're first. to be like, "Oh, Gemma Collins." <laughs> no offense, but then I was like, "Well, I don't want to go like too lowbrow." And then anyway, just I'm just going to cut out, woman. <laughs> so mine are either Princess Diana or Michelle Obama. Oh. Michelle Obama, probably easy to get hold of. I'd reckon these days. Any reasons yeah. why? Can you give us a brief? Because they both use their power for really, really good shit. And that is what I respect most in the world. Someone who's really, really famous and has so much control and, you know, so much influence over other people. And they don't get big egos about it. They, they actually use it for what they can do. And I love a rebel as well. Because I am mm. a bit of a rebel. And I think Princess Diana would have been an amazing person to talk to with all her... Like, how much balls, how much balls she must have had to do what she did and still, you know, keep fighting right until the end. I just yeah. think, I think, what an incredible inspirational woman. And presumably you've read Michelle's book. Yeah, well, I listened to it on audio. Just listen to it, yeah, that's the same Yeah, because I've got a million and one things to do in my life. <laughs> On the school run. It's incredible. Yeah, she's she's a total badass, isn't she? She's awesome. Go on, Laura. Well, I had two options as well. Um, (laughs) Were they Michelle Obama and Princess? No. (laughs) Okay. So um, I would love to go for a coffee with my cousin, Charlie, who died a few years ago. Um, Yeah, but my second option... I'm going to say it anyway, is Bex because we've only met once, so it would be oh, nice to actually oh. catch up. Do you feel bad? No, now, screw Bex. you. I you never really said me. Bad. You should oh, feel terrible. So sorry. <laughs> you you did say the other day though that, that the best thing about starting the worst girl gang wasn't meeting me. So <laughs> you're just Oops. clawing back from that still. Yeah. No. I'd say it was the worst. <laughs> still think you should feel really bad about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you and Princess die. Um, and if, um, what if it, what's the one thing you found yourself saying um, that your mum used to say to you and Laura, you can go first this time? I'll do what you bloody like then. <laughs> <laughs> Said oh, every day. Said in such character climbing. as well. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, um, that continues. <laughs> <laughs> there are so, like my kids are like 10 and 8 so there's just so many, Very and one, and so many things. Don't bite your fork. I'm not your <laughs> did slave. Did your mum used to say that? I'm not your slave, yes. I'm not your slave. What did your yeah. last slave die of? But my kids are now at the age when they go, mm, tuberculosis. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I keep finding, I'm at the stage where I keep saying, were you born in a barn? And then he doesn't understand. Oh, were you born but, in a barn? Yeah. So I have to explain. Yeah, see, my kid's answer to that is like, uh, yeah, I'm Jesus. 
Hi. Oh. <laughs> Good one, guys. Good one. You wait. Awesome. Oh. Yeah. And um, I forgot my last question, which is uh, mum hacks. Go on. Oh, Bex was about to tell me what it was. <laughs> yeah, it was because this is my favourite. Okay? Go on then. Go on. Because you, you, you guys, what, how was Bertie? Six Sorry? and a half going on. Okay. So 21. you've got the whole, yeah. Yeah, no, I remember that. The attitude that is there. Don't worry. It is there in heaps and bounds and lovely <laughs> but you so you have the majority of school life to, to uh, upon you so my advice for anyone who's got small children who are going into school or with children at school is school is for children not for adults right. that's my advice and what i mean is the following i feel I'm like i'm going to explain I feel, this i feel like i'm being told off here right so no you're not being told off at all <laughs> bear, bear with bear with so basically, you can get so caught up in what happens at school as an adult and at the cake fair, you can make your kids cakes for them yes. and they'll look really good. And you can spend your life worrying about winning the mum's race at sports day or, you know, your kid has homework, the right homework every day. And there's so much that you can get consumed by. But so there's no point because you're never going to be able to do everything. You're mm-hmm. just not. It's not possible to be able to be the the best at everything and the in my experience the mums who appear to be the best at everything are the ones that are really losing their shit so don't judge yourself too harshly like if you if you're if you forget to bath your kid one night and he goes to school with dirty knees like obviously <laughs> never happened to me um it doesn't <laughs> matter forget, if you do it on purpose does that count <laughs> No, I meant do it on purpose, but forget sounds more <laughs> innocent. But it, I think there's such a, a hierarchy within primary schools. I don't know. It might be different. I'm in a village, so village schools are, are really tough. But I just think there's such a, uh, a judgment area on mums. And I think we're all winging it to a degree. It doesn't matter if, you, if, you, if you're a full-time mum, if you're a part-time, if you have a part-time job, if you're a full-time career it doesn't matter we're all just doing the same job and we're all doing the best we can like no one has the right to judge you so don't judge yourself that's what i'd say oh and don't judge do you, other people yeah don't cut each other's yeah. slack mm-hmm. exactly exactly but on top of that like don't judge yourself harshly because you know let shit go doesn't matter yeah. don't yeah. let let it shit go, go. Let it go. And the kids. But also pack the pack pack the shit that you need the night before. Sorry, Zoe. She doesn't stop talking. No, she she doesn't, does she? But I quite like the mad rush around the house in the morning. That's part of the day, isn't it? That you run around like a headless chicken. But I'll say like to to my kids, I'll say like, guys, come on, we've got to go. And and they'll be like, oh, let's walk backwards. You know, shit like that. I can't deal with. (laughs) So when does um? I'd love to know when they start to understand urgency because it definitely isn't when they like never. Ne- never I found like my That's daughter was like Flynn get down the stairs we've got to go we've got to go and then I go up and she's like putting one of her Barbies to bed in, in the doll's house and I'm like we've got to go we're going to be late and she's like well she needs to sleep yeah. and, then, and then my son I need to sleep because I've got the chitly attitude he's like alright alright keep your hair oh. on like yeah. okay <laughs> it's, like, it's all just going to go downhill from here isn't it and it does but that's fine Lovely. Go on then, Laura. What's your what's your mum hack? Oh. How old? How old is Bertie? He's nineteen months. Oh, he's still lovely. <laughs> uh, debatable. <laughs> that is debatable. He's lovely, and I do say to him a lot. You, um, it's a good job you're cute because he is really cute. Oh, you, that even sounds familiar. You saying that? I've heard that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it is a good job he's a cute because he's he's a little arsehole a lot of the time. <laughs> he's very good at climbing, and that's the battle we're having at the moment. And he likes feeding the dog. But my life hack is simple: three words. Get a cleaner. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> this is your permission people yeah, get nice. a cleaner you don't have to do it all because that's another thing that we all feel like we have to do mm-hmm. this is probably um so i i should explain and it's on previous podcasts that in dubai it's very common um for a lot well a lot of people to have live-in help so um that advice is going to go to the the uk and the other part of the world i think because i think here um 
because we are kind of on our own, we don't have support from friends or, well, good friends, you know, lifelong friends and family and things. Mm. Um, we all, um, we all, that's not true. A lot of people um, end up employing help because if not, it, it generally falls with, especially with children, that if not, you, you're leaving your children with people you don't know, which is never, yeah. never a very comfortable position to be in. So, um, yeah, so we have, uh, we're very fortunate here. And uh, we have a live-in cleaner. Um, but you don't help. need to say that. You yeah. don't need to apologise. No, no, I'm not apologising. I'm explaining. But um, I think being British, you will forever justify it. Forever justify yeah. it. It's very... I'm hoping that things will change. I think my our parents... You've got a cleaner? Why have you got a cleaner? Can't you do it yourself? Well, no, I can't. I'm hoping that my our generation, things will change. All of my friends have cleaners. Mm-hmm. I've got I, think, I think back in like when our parents were parents of young children, um, you know, that life was very different then as well, wasn't oh, it? Yeah, they weren't at work full time. No, I mean, my and... sister, I have literally no idea how she gets from minute to minute. So, um, <laughs> and for us here, it's incredible because like it's another adult in his, in our children's lives who they mm. trust and love. And, um, and she's, you know, she's a part of our family, um, a part of our setup here and, and it's, and it's cool. a really lovely thing um but yeah back in the UK like literally um I, I'm with you 100% on that you can't do it all no you can't don't try there we go lovely well thank you um both cool. so very much so how can everybody find you what's your give yourselves plugs well we are on Instagram at the worst girl gang ever We're on facebook under the same name we have a facebook support group that is called one in four pregnancy miscarriage one in four miscarriage and pregnancy loss support group Did you, you just that, search right? one in four it comes up <laughs> but that is going to soon be changing because we're rebranding we're not rebrand we change we're leaving our name the same but we're bringing everything under one umbrella so if you search whatever you search if you search um the worst girl gang ever on facebook it should bring up our support group and our right. facebook page lovely mm -hmm. and and laura did you um i heard you were writing a book so do you want to yeah yeah <laughs> uh, my, <laughs> my book uh is called it will happen which is also where you can find me on instagram it will happen 19 uh the book is being released on the 30th of october it's currently open for pre-orders and you can buy it on amazon or via the austin mccauley website or in a couple of weeks time you can walk into waterstones and take it off the shelf that's very <laughs> exciting congratulations yeah it'll probably only be in one waterstones i'll have to go and find it but you know it is exciting <laughs> we'll track it down Laura. don't you worry yeah <laughs> the one down the road from your house that'll be it <laughs> yeah oh dear well, well thank you both so much have um thank you for giving up your evening for me and um absolute pleasure have yeah. a lovely rest of i'm um Half past 12 here, so I'm off to sleep. After oh, <laughs> yeah. sleep well. That's why I'm in my pajamas. Put my best look on for you both. <laughs> Fair days. Take care, guys. Thank you so All much. Right, nice amazing. to chat to you, Zoe. Thanks. Bye.